Episode 15 with Michelle Dion. Where meditation meets daily life. This is the Meditation Freedom Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and checking out the Meditation Freedom Podcast. My name is Sika Rote and I'm your host. In this podcast, I talk with both students and very experienced practitioners and teachers of various wisdom traditions that utilize some form of meditation or mindfulness to bring themselves closer to the present moment, the here and now, basically become more conscious and more wise and compassionate in their both their actions and their thoughts. The podcast really discusses the why of why we meditate, how we do it, and how we bring that meditation practice or mindfulness practice into our daily lives. And then also how folks use it, how it transforms them, how it changes the way they relate to the world. Before we move on to our guest, I just wanted to let you know what today was like in my part of the world. I live out in the desert, the big mountains all around me, and I usually get to walk around every day just to, for practice and exercise and uh, walking meditation, but I also like to go once in a while on bigger hikes when I take a day off once or so a week. And oftentimes on a Sunday like today, I want to be just fully there and present for my hike. One way to do that is to go on a mountain. And this mountain is so steep and so filled with rocks and slippery slopes and filled with stingy agave needles and sharp rocks and all kinds of cacti. In very much a real way, you got to watch every single step. There's a Dutch saying that says an accident lies in a very small corner. An ongeluk ligt in een klein hoekje. And that's very much apt here because... Everything on this mountain is is just sharp and dangerous if you're not paying attention. So it's a it's very much an attention and concentration practice to walk up this mountain and to make sure you're not misstepping because you could be incapacitated or crack your skull open, run out of cell phone minutes and there's no paths on this mountain. This is just you go wherever you want to go pretty important not to get injured especially when you're hiking alone like oftentimes I like to do but it's beautiful and this morning I picked up a hike up a very steep gully and then about 2,000 feet or so up I met a beautiful very cute little bighorn family and I recorded that on video so I'll put that on my show notes uh, on meditationfreedom.com slash 15 if you're interested it's just really nice to once in a while have a day where you're not even playing a podcast while you're walking or or listening. I hope you too have days like that where you can just enjoy the sound of your footsteps and the rocks, uh, whatever you have there, you know, animals, birds chirping and wind rushing through the bushes and, and so forth. So anyway, I thought I'd mention that because it's a form of meditation. It's a walking meditation for me or hiking meditation. And it's a very concentrated form of paying attention. Anyway, let's get back into the interview. Today's interview is with Michel Dion, and he lives in Ottawa, Canada, where apparently it was still kind of chilly, while down here in the desert it was 99 degrees or 38 degrees Celsius. It was still snowing in Ottawa. Michel is the author of Leadership Toolbox for Project Managers, Achieving Better Results in a Dynamic World. Michelle also has the role of CPA and PMP. A CPA is a certified public accountant, and then a PMP is a project management professional. And he's also founder of a website on project management called Project Aria. And the name of the site is a mix of his interests in both project management and music. Michelle has been practicing meditation on his own for the last few years, using the Headspace app and learning from podcasts such as this one and reading a book about meditation. It might be interesting for the podcast to have Michelle on as a guest repeatedly, maybe once a year, and see how his practice is going and how it's affecting his family and his work life and his way of viewing the world. 
follow the journey of a relatively new meditation practitioner on this podcast. And of course, you're welcome to leave some feedback on the show notes. At the bottom, there's a feedback box, and then you can let us know what you think of that idea. So with that, let's get right into the interview with Michelle Dion. Thanks again, Michelle, for joining me on this podcast, and uh, it's great to have you on here. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm sure we'll have a, an interesting discussion. I've been uh, listening to all your episodes since episode zero, one. What's the first number you use? I use one after somebody said, don't call it zero. That's not nice. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, by the way. Good job. Keep going. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, so... What I do uh, to start with, and I'll introduce what you do in the beginning of the podcast in the intro, and then we'll also you'll get a chance to explain a little bit more about what you do because it's not everybody understands project management. But what I usually do is I just start with how did your path go into meditation and, and why did you start meditation? You mentioned earlier you got into meditation through some kind of scientific articles. Well, um, I would say that uh, I worked in business. I'm a CPA project manager. So, uh, yes, I earn a living on the intellectual side, although that doesn't mean I'm just intellectual because my first bachelor degree is in music. Mm. So, so I, I'm okay with the deep emotional side, but I'm, let's just say I'm not coming to meditation from the spiritual side of it. Okay. Uh, um, I think it was about five years ago. Um, a, a friend of mine told me that the, uh, I should uh, watch uh, on YouTube uh, this BBC uh, documentary with Michael Mosley uh, on uh, that discuss meditation, and he's doing uh, a tour of the most recent research on uh, neuroscience. Mm -hmm. uh, and I was fascinated uh, by by it, and I decided to explore further the the subject uh, by starting to do some meditation, which is uh, the opposite of my normal pace of life. Mm -hmm. One of the uh, the thing that uh, I guess made me also try to find a solution is. Uh, my mind is very good at being creative, finding solution at work, and um, but the side effect is uh, I kind of think all the time, and uh, at some point I was not sleeping much. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, and I guess when you're young, you're not sleeping much. Uh, you not can, too big of a deal, yeah. Yeah, but uh, after having two kids and a few promotion at work, uh, when I was down to maybe uh, um, being asleep uh, three hours, and I don't mean being in bed three hours, I would just mean asleep, okay? Mm -hmm. Because with my mind always spinning all the time, it's like, uh, okay, we need to, to find something else. Uh, I, I even bought at that time uh, uh, a little, you know, one of those health uh, tracker that you can put on you and it tracks the quality of your sleep. Oh, kind of like a biofeedback type of... Uh, uh, based on your motion in the bed. Oh, restlessness, yeah. yeah. It will identify either you're awake because you move too much or in light sleep, medium or deep sleep. And the, the results were not so good. Uh, so that's how I discovered meditation. Uh, in the documentary, uh, they talk about uh, an app called Edspace. Have you ever heard of that one? Headspace, yes, I've heard of that. There's a there's a TED talk by uh, Andy Putty Combi. Putty Combi, yeah, yeah, the the founder of it. I guess being a bit geeky, I was happy that they have an app on the iPhone. Based on what I explained, uh, my first perception of meditation is that you should stop thinking. And remember when I said my head was always thinking? I thought right. in meditation I should learn to stop thinking. But on my own, it would never happen. So I needed some guided meditation. Uh, otherwise, the restlessness would take over. 
Yeah. But did, did it actually affect your performance at that point when you when you were really only sleeping, you know, barely three hours a night? Did, did you did you see that as a concern, you know, that your productivity might be affected or your your life, your family life? I started to see a back in the, on the family life and quality of interaction with the kids and my wife. I guess I was still able to function to be okay at work. Um, but I saw a few of my friends go down in burnout, depression, and because I was 40 at that time, and you lose kind of that feeling of being invincible. Yeah, that that bounce back right back type of feeling. Yeah, uh, although it wasn't necessarily me going down, it was close enough to to make me wonder. Mm -hmm. So the guided meditation is what I needed, uh, and uh, I, I found it uh, very useful because otherwise I would have been lost. Because uh, as I said. Uh, for better or worse, I, I'm not so spiritual, and uh, that uh, 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 I'm not like naturally enjoying just doing nothing and enjoying the moment at that time. Mm -hmm. um, although the enjoying the moment is is a different discussion in the sense that um, as I got a few promotion and start to handle five, six, seven, ten projects at the same time, being an executive, you start to bounce frequently from one topic to the next. That, which is a good skill, but at some point when it's no longer under control, you're never in the moment, and that's was work. But uh, I like to say that we're just one person. So I would be talking to my wife and be at work, uh, be at work and talk, uh, talking about one project and my mind would go somewhere else. I would be with the kids and thinking about my wife. Like I would never be at the right moment. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so you couldn't be fully present for what was there. Yeah. And in the end, you that's not good. No, like, no. If ever you spend... Um, Eight, uh, like eight times one hour doing eight different things. Well, you better be in that one hour to focus on that thing. Right. I, so I guess it, 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 the, the story is not completely clear because the story was not so intentional, but the story is powerful in the sense that uh, 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 it made me uh, surprisingly even more productive at work it transformed my marriage. Not that it was bad before, but uh, we're so much better now. And my connection with my kids that are now 8 and 11 is so more uh, authentic and real. Not that I didn't love them before, but uh, everything is kind of different. That's great. I, I'm I, I'm even daring, as you saw in the recent book that I published, to mention meditation and to put the requirement for self-awareness very early in the book instead uh, of as an afterthought at the end. It's a book on business leadership, project management. It would be very easy to just be... Uh, like, make the decision, do this, do that, and then... Oh, yes, but then at the end, maybe you want to also take care of yourself. I did the opposite in the book because uh, I strongly believe in the impact. Yeah, the importance of being healthy in mind and, and body and uh, yeah. so that it affects your work, right? And yeah. so so in in order to uh, to get that way, do you practice regularly, consistently, and do you still use the Headspace app? I still use the Edspace app. Um, uh, I use your podcast. <laughs> uh, I've read one book. Can you believe I only read one book on the topic? I listened to all the podcasts from Tara Brock. Do you know her? Radical uh, Acceptance, the author of Radical Acceptance. Although uh, uh, I often uh, listen to them uh, during the mind, the, the sorry, during the night when my mind was in overdrive, to to when I couldn't sleep, uh, uh, I would 
do meditation exercise. Yeah. So, very um, now my health tracker says that I sleep eight hours. Wow, that's a big difference. Yeah. If I have a key business meeting that can be stressful, I like to do a meditation exercise before. And do you use the the app again, or do you do you do it something else? I have not mastered the art of doing meditation on my own yet. Do you have any tips? <laughs> yeah, just just relax. You know, sit down and take ten deep breaths and. And actually, as far as I'm concerned, with the with the thoughts, the, it's not so much about stopping all thoughts because then you're trying to like control the thoughts, but it's more like letting them pass through, like the uh, clouds in the sky. And, and actually, not- yeah, I just meant to say that uh, I love that you say that because uh, I did try first to the belief that uh, it's to silence the mind, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would have quit if uh, my friend that I mentioned uh, before would not have told me that, no, exactly what you said, just observe your thought and just create, he called it a distance, instead of being in the th- the thinking process, right. observe them as if they are floating uh, uh, in front of you. Exactly. And... Uh, Accept them without judgment, without analysis. Yeah, exactly. Just yeah. as is. And then uh, it was a leap forward in in the impact of meditation. Yeah, because I think a lot of people quit if they, they think they're not doing it right. If they think they have to have zero thoughts, no thoughts. Because that's not uh, how our brains work. You know, they just... My teacher's teacher would say the brain secretes thoughts the same way the stomach secretes acid. And you can't tell your stomach, well, you can't secrete any more acids now. <laughs> you know, be quiet. <laughs> the other uh, pressure as a newbie uh, that uh, I had to remove uh, in the process is the idea that if you meditate, you're going to be happy 100% of the time. Right, right. Uh, maybe it's a naive thought, but... Uh, from uh, external inexperienced person, we get that belief that uh, uh, a meditation monk is always happy. Right. Uh, and in some way, that would be not being human. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and again, it's the idea that can you uh, quickly observe that today I'm having a bad day? And that, they're like Tara Brock, she calls it this too. That that's right. Yeah. Acceptance. Yeah. Well, yeah. So you're not at war with yourself, saying, you know, yeah. I can't be this, I can't be that. That that's not me, and I'm supposed to be this, and supposed to be that. Yeah. Yeah. But but the intensity of well, the control of the feeling over us is greatly diminished if we can just accept it. Mm-hmm. Does that make some sense? Right. And then uh, another piece of learning that I use, but I really forgot his name, is maybe you know a guy that does a lot of uh, video from Australia. He's a Buddhist monk. I can send you the link after, but uh, I watch a few of his videos. and He has a good sense of humor, so it's actually pretty interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and uh, in one of his videos, he, he, he was uh, talking about, uh, uh, because he's in Australia, like uh, the idea of having only one koala on your mental shelf, shelf at a time. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, because he said that he's, uh, he's from uh, England, and uh, he sent a few, like, uh, you know, tourist thing to his mom through the years and when he would visit her she would have all of them on the mantle shelf not just the last one uh, and he's like no just put one uh, and he explained that contrary to popular belief a monk can be very busy right yeah. but the way he does it is one thing on the mantle shelf at a time just like the way 
in in your work just and in everyday life you do one thing at a time yeah instead of like, multitasking yeah and uh, actually i was almost developing a reputation of being an expert in multitasking uh before and i was good at it uh then uh, i stepped back and learned meditation through accident as i said so i guess i'm an accident accidentational meditator yeah well we've had uh, one before like that <laughs> one uh, more, i guess earlier but uh, i learned to be more in the moment and to do one at a time and the the funny thing is productivity is greatly increased mm -hmm. but again we are just one person so when we learn to do work in the moment one task at a time we come back home and we stay in the same mindset and if i talk to my wife i talk to her mm -hmm. i probably unfortunately failed in the past and was like yeah, yeah, I hear your words, so let me do other things at the same time. Right. right. Uh, but there's, uh, I can have deeper connection and conversation now. Yeah, yeah, that's very, that's very valuable and appreciated, I'm sure, by your family too. Yeah, the 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 challenge of meditation uh, right now for me is the longer session. Do you do longer session? Yeah, I I define longer more than twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that it it might be nice to break it up though. If you if you have a real hard time with longer sessions, to do a little bit of walking meditation, and then if you want to do another session, you just do a little bit of walking meditation and then sit again. That's one way to do it. Yeah. See, I'm also a runner, and uh, the biggest challenge I have if I run, uh, and I remember I was fascinated by your previous spot, one of your previous podcasts uh, with uh, Lisa. Runner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because my challenge on long distance is not the the physical pain of of running, is at some point my mind is no longer in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like, okay, enough, this is it. I feel like quitting. Uh, so, like, running more than two hours, it's not physical pain that stops me. It's the mind. Wow. Yeah, that's a long run, that two hours of running. Wow. Well, it's a half marathon for me, or probably close to a marathon for Lisa. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like, it sounds like you, you'll enjoy your book then. Yeah. If you use your Headspace app before a meeting or you do a little bit of, of, of meditation before you come to work, how does that impact your, your work and, and uh, your team? Um, I think people sense your, your comfort level. And we sometimes confuse determination with nervousness uh, in the sense that... Uh, uh, as a leader, you, you can be agitated and just like trying to do, do, do more, but that doesn't broadcast a message of trust. Right. Um, people are more likely likely to follow a leader that is calm uh, than uh, a leader that is. Uh, I'm not sure what's the right description, but. Even if it's all out of good intention, but being too agitated, mm -hmm. does that make some sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and because beyond the intellectual wor words of you should, like Joe, go do this, and Jane, can you do that? And intellectually, everybody understand that Joe will be doing the right task, and so will be Jane. There's a something that people sense that give them confidence in the the expected success of the team mm -hmm. and when people uh, are in the, in their comfort zone and comfort zone does not mean that it's easy comfort zone is like 
I guess uh, you probably know better how to describe this. It's more like uh, at, in the human side, like uh, uh, internally, how they feel. Uh, kind of an equanimity type. Yeah. The kind of results you can achieve in a team are much greater with uh, a good level of self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And honesty, too. It, it leads to more honesty and, and uh, authenticity and leadership, I would think. Yeah, and that's uh, often or too often lacking. Right. It, it's kind of an interesting thing also that um, when you're in business, often you study something, you can master it, you know what, you know the concept, you can be an expert. This one, I'm already used to it because of my studying of music, classical music, when I was younger. Um, I, I get a feeling that in meditation, it's almost the opposite, um, in the sense that uh, nobody can ever say, I have 100% full self-awareness, or at least I think. Maybe right. it's just me. Um, and... The more I listen to podcasts like yours, uh, the more I, I get a feeling that you can do this for 30 years, you'll still discover something. Exactly. Yeah, that's how. That's the same way I feel about it, too. There's a, a level of being comfortable in the unknown. And that's an interesting thing because even in the modern business world, uh, you we face a lot of unknown and a fast-changing environment. Right. And if we try to normalize everything back to a structured environment, it's like denying reality. Yeah. And is it that the word acceptance that we use in meditation? But uh, that when we say that, uh, not necessarily to condone everything in reality and accept, not that sense of acceptance, but... Right. but Accepting reality in the sense of it is what it is. Right. Um, what better description of this would you put? No, I, I think you got it right, you know, you, because that would lead to covering things up if you're trying to pretend something is different than what it is. And it's better just to put it all the cards on the table and say, this is how it is, but let's see how we can make it better instead of saying, well, you know, let's just deny this this reality and pretend that it's all hunky-dory or so so meditation is is a, a human experience and in the end business is not done from robots to robots it's from human to human right uh, it's also why in in my book i have a section that uh, asks the question did we forget about people in project management yeah we try to manage everything as if it's a process, uh, almost a software, a piece of code. But whatever we do, it's from people to people. Right. And and how do you bring that people component back into it with with companies that have lost sight of that and just see you as a as a number and a and a you know just a a cog in a, in in the machine. Well, that's true, but uh, uh, leadership, you can always choose who you want to be, uh, especially that uh, I don't think anything in meditation would lead you to start doing stuff that are illegal right. <laughs> or, or dangerous. So um, w even within the context of your company, you can decide what kind of leader you want to be, how you want to listen when people talk to you how you want to interact when an issue is raised uh, when there's a conflict how you handle it uh, i can i have difficulty imagining a, a, an organization that would stop you from benefiting from better self-awareness uh, and they don't necessarily mention meditation, although it's becoming more uh, sexy, as you know, <laughs> to talk about med right. meditation. But uh, uh, the idea of developing more uh, knowledge of, of the self is part of executive leadership development program for many years. Um, 
meditation and modern science is is just bringing um, it to the Eastern world from a different angle than the the more spiritual approach of the Eastern roots. Well, that's that's what I was thinking of of how how that applies in your your area as with leadership. If the leader doesn't meditate, but he's he or she sees meditation as a way to get people to be more productive, then they're just looking at the bottom line, right? And so there's a risk there with, like you said, meditation getting kind of trendy, and 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 some corporations and and people look, using it as a way to make more money, as opposed to like we we're talking about making it more of a the people happy too, and that it's not just about the bottom line, but it's more about a triple bottom line, you know, every, the people also being happy and not just, oh, let's see if we can squeeze them in the smaller cubicles since they're more calm now. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, uh, well, I guess uh, a way to look at it is my idea that we are just one person. Uh, I don't think somebody can easily live uh, like drama at home and come fresh to work right okay uh just like uh, if you're having a difficult day at work you're gonna bring that in some way at home um so the more people can if you if we think more long term and everything if people can find ways to enjoy more themselves life and their priorities that's a good thing uh, it's for sure a, an organization has its own purpose uh, but many organizations have proven proven that you can um, you can think different and still uh, uh, outperform the competition mm-hmm. um but but it's uh, in some way it's also our responsibility to to view our life as bigger than who we are on our job title. Right. There's a bit this component that it's us, the individual, that uh, are to blame, not the organization. Um, we should not just get our self-esteem from this job title and this pay level. So you believe in uh, the leadership also practicing what they preach, right? So and then putting it in institutional culture, because you know in your book I think you mentioned some you know, some of the risks of institutional culture where there's there's not perhaps not enough awareness on the top level. Absolutely, um, I guess. Uh, we can often achieve a lot just by what we can achieve and let go of what we cannot achieve. So I can definitely influence my team. I can influence who I am. One of the core things that I can bring to my team is my even my positiveness and my happiness. Right. Um, I'm an executive, so I'm... People already view me as the person with some power. Uh, So they already put some distance between me and them. I talk about the blind spot of leadership because of the rank. They don't uh, always talk with complete transparency. (laughs) The higher you are, the more they filter what they say. Uh, uh, But it's my job to create uh, uh, the type of relationship that they feel comfortable talking. Right. Because short term, I may enjoy the the rank and its privilege, uh, but I'll suffer the consequences if I just have false relationship around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is uh, also. Uh, Let's not forget the fact that nobody on his deathbed uh, is uh, saying, "I wish I would have worked more." Yeah, I I don't know anybody who who says that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, the younger generation has more a broader view of life. They can work with passion and be like very productive and everything, but 
you sense that it's not their only source of self-esteem. While maybe the generation of my father losing their job or even going into retirement would require a huge learning curve to to do this mental shift because it would be like losing everything. Yeah, very identified uh, with their jobs. Yeah. Um, I always find that my most performing employees have a life outside of work. So if, uh, strangely, the it's not always the best if somebody is 100% dedicated to work and doing 60, 70 hours a week. Right. First of all, you can just make work uh, because you have no motivation to be more efficient. But uh, the mind needs some break. The mm-hmm. mind needs some some source of happiness. And if you you invest all your thoughts in one thing, the day it succeeds, you're extremely happy. The day there is a challenge, everything is crashing. Mm-hmm. I hope everybody will uh, would understand that uh, also, uh, I mean, performance at work is important. It would be hard for me to say the opposite. But uh, sometimes we, we're good at drama. Um, uh, sometimes I, I like to ask uh, people, are we managing a nuclear plant or what? Because the intensity of the reaction for small problems it's almost as if the nuclear plant is about to blow up yeah. and with da- damage for 10,000 years or whatever that would be. Uh, and it's yet it's just a small problem. Right. Uh, and I remember sometime, one day uh, one of my employees was, was saying, we have this problem with the data that we are analyzing and the employee was very stressed. And then the employee asked, how come you're not stressed? And my answer was, did somebody call to say that my two kids are dead? Right. Uh, and like, it, it's still just a machine, a software number. Like, we'll solve it. We, we, we'll resolve that problem. It's an, it's an intellectual problem. In some way, it's easier than dealing with the phone call that my two kids are dead. Well, they are not, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's very rare that uh, somebody will crash in his career because of uh, the intellectual side of it. It's more the emotional side of life. Right. Uh, and then you can try to fake your way with... Um, simple approach or simple interpretation of meditation but if you want to maximize the benefit you need to have this real authentic holistic view of the human Mm -hmm. this is the the newbie on meditation trying to expose his own experience in the last five years well i think it's it's interesting to hear it from an executive position level you know like you that you're talking about you know, seeing things in perspective and how how it's there's a tendency at work for folks to get over-identified and to take it too seriously. And meditation allows you to take a step back and see that it's you know it's just it's just a, a problem that can be solved. It's it, things become more workable. And yeah. actually, that it's important to mention this. We're not saying that. It's just a server in the sense like, ah, who cares? It's just the solution is often very simple once we remove the drama. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a, it, there's a tendency to have too much drama. I don't know if you remember, but in the book, I also mentioned one day one of my employees, of my, the manager under me was very stressed and saying we have to do this and that and this and like uh, I think I'll have to stay all night to do all of this and my answer was go home watch a movie enjoy a night forget about work yeah Uh, and she was baffled it was the first time in her career that the boss instead of approving over time or send silently just kind of being happy that the person would overwork saying go home 
She did. The next morning, she came early at around six, and by the time I arrived at eight, it was all done. Yeah, and that's that's a very uh, uh, unusual pr- approach that you took there, because I think a lot of managers and, and directors would have just said, "Yeah, just work until it's done." But you understand that people are when they're refreshed and they can sleep over it, the problem just solves itself much more likely. Sometimes it's just a matter of taking a nap or taking a break from the problem and then you see it fresh in a fresh way that resolves it much quicker sleep on it like our grandparents used to say right because <laughs> now we are the microwave generation everything must be done within one minute yeah do you take your meditation into into your actual work you know like do you take once in a while take a little a few breaths or does that help you or in any way or Yes, um, that's an interesting question I'd like to discuss with you. Uh, Some people say that meditation, as soon as you wake up, is the best, and then they go to work. Uh, I position it uh, at noon, or sometimes around 2 p.m. My my best indication it's time to meditate is when the mind is starting to be tired. Right. Do you think it's more powerful as you wake up or it's okay to do it in the middle of the day? Or it doesn't really matter? I'm overthinking that thing? Yeah, for me, I like to wake up and immediately meditate simply because my mind is still calm. It's not in overdrive yet. And here we're just talking about sitting meditation. But I also like to meditate sometimes at lunchtimes as well because it's like recharging for a good productive afternoon so it's a you know like a little bit of a recharge and then at night sometimes it's really nice to meditate because then your mind has a chance to just sort of settle before going to bed yeah i think it is very individual because sometimes i just need to do a walking meditation so i go out and walk for half an hour and sitting wouldn't be the right thing for me to do because you know i might have already sat on a chair for four hours and a walk would be better going even doing physical exercise like a long hiking distance in the mountain um, when you are far away from any sound of civilization it's calming it doesn't matter if there's any kind of sound it doesn't have to be the peaceful uh, little uh, water sound waterfall right uh, uh, it's strange yes yeah, and even in some sometimes with the the sound of uh, um, thunderstorm it's more peaceful than the, the the sound of civilization am i wrong no, I, I think it is very calming, and, and they've done scientific research, and, and they call that a, a nature deficit disorder if you don't get enough nature. So they've actually labeled it as a problem with a lot of people spending too much time in, in busyness and the lights blinking and the traffic noise, and, and it can be yeah it can be stressful to have that too much of that. I'm a bit of a technological geek. Uh, so, of course, I have an iPhone, an iPad, and uh, we probably have more computer in my house than uh, human beings. <laughs> yeah. So, you know the famous distraction of being always connected? Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how to call them. It's almost technological break or meditation. I put the, 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 the device on the airplane mode. That's a good way to do it, yeah. It, it's much faster than shutting the device down and re like putting it back on mm-hmm. because you can just airplane all mode on and off. But even if, see, even if I have my iPad, okay, and uh, I I decide that I'm not going to w- read message, it's still on. My mind is still kind of silently kind of, is it beeping? <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, but when I put it uh, on airplane mode, the mind stops checking yeah. because it's impossible. The mind knows it's impossible; nothing will happen. So, like in the last two weeks, I had four critical deliverables to to push out at work, uh, and very often I would say I have to work two hours on something. I would. 
shut down the email system. I would put my device in airplane mode and bang, I would work uh, on just one task. Yeah. Uh, and then I find that's more simple and less extreme than when people try to do a, a technological rejection or a fast or something that's saying it's so bad I'm not going to have an iPad or uh, in the end we're still in 2015 yeah yeah and, and I for me I just turn off all the notifications so then I don't get interu interrupted by a beeping or you know that kind of stuff that's a good idea yeah well so do you have any final thoughts about your book and how it relates to you know how it might help people have a, a more healthy workplace well my book is uh, for uh, often for people experience in management that wants to reach a higher level and very often people when they start to read about leadership they think uh, of leadership of leading others i think the, that's the easy part the most powerful part of leadership is being able to lead oneself and um, that's a, a, a powerful and infinite journey. But mm -hmm. the sooner you start, the better it is. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that definitely. And that's why I never understood why they would say you should do all your self-reflection and, you know, all of the meditation when you're retired. And I always think, well, but it would really help your career if you start and your family and everything else if you started it sooner. Yeah. before all that rather than after it when your career is already done yeah and uh, i mean this again it's back to the idea of uh, the importance of the career and the self-esteem uh, we need to have projects to to enjoy life we often need to make money to to earn a living but life is broader than this mm -hmm. um that's the other thing is never never only have your career as defining who you are right for your children and your spouse or you should be far more than just the the title that of your position i agree i i uh, keep the importance of things in the right order right and the sooner you meditate, the sooner you learn what's what's important as important and what's maybe not so important. Yeah, the, I guess on this one, when uh, I said it's important, we are in 2015 to not reject technology. Meditation is a good example. Uh, of course, you could have uh, you could search hard and find solution, uh, but um, like me in Ottawa, of course, we are in North America and the eastern culture of meditation uh, without technology uh, it, i would feel more lonely and more abandoned and it would be very hard unless i'm lucky and i find a good coach to 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 find uh, other like-minded person mm -hmm. so that's an example that technology can can support our personal growth Right, and, and keeps us connected more. Yeah, uh, like uh, we are quite a few uh, thousand miles apart, you and I right now, but I am learning from you through this conversation. Yeah, and same with me. I learned, I learned from all the people that I talk to. Just to end, tell people about your book and where they can find it. Well, the book is on Amazon. The book is called Leadership Toolbox for Project Managers. Uh, I'm sure you will be able to put a link in the show notes. I, I also have a website that is called project-area.ca. It's a mix of my interest for project management and my training in classical music. When I was searching for a name for a website, you know that challenge? yeah uh, right it's like okay i want to start a website okay how do i name it and then people tell you be careful because that's one of the things that is hard to change later yeah uh, so uh, project-area a-r-i-a dot c-a 
is uh, I invite you to visit my website and uh, see what I write. Uh, you'll see that I talk about uh, leadership, project management, productivity, but I even have a section on uh, mind and health. Uh, and I thank you for uh, writing a, almost an epic post uh, in uh, on meditation that... Uh, I'm not sure you were expecting anything given my audience, but you were able to witness that it's one of the most popular posts on my site. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, no, I, I had no idea what what would come of it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Do you sit with other groups too? I've never done meditation in a group, but yeah. I've done meditation in a small group in the sense that sometimes we do it uh, together, my wife and I. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Uh, also, interesting thing uh, is uh, uh, I meditate better when I'm uh, lying, uh, like uh, I'm lying down uh, on the bed instead of sitting. Do you have any opinion on that? If you stay awake, as long as you stay really awake and conscious, then then it could be uh, very helpful. But if it makes you fall asleep, then it's better to stay upright. That's that's my only thing about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's true that sometimes I fall asleep. Because <laughs> <laughs> then, then that's no longer meditation. Then you're just sleeping. <laughs> but it's beneficial. Yeah, that's beneficial too. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll practice more sitting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it was great talking to you. And have a great weekend with your family. You too. I hope it's not going to snow again. Yeah I, yeah, I hope you're done with that. <laughs> take care all right you too i hope you enjoyed this interview with michelle dion you can find out more about michelle by going to the meditation freedom website it's going to be meditationfreedom.com 15 leave some feedback and also you can download the free ebook on the website by subscribing to the newsletter and in the newsletter i'll once in a while remind you of the podcast episodes and some other stuff please go to the website and sign up and I'll also post the video of the bighorn sheep. Next week, I'll be speaking with a yoga instructor from Germany. Hopefully, you'll tune in next week. And with that, I hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you so much and take care. Thank you so much for joining us on the Meditation Freedom Podcast, where meditation meets daily life. <laughs>